Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. We are delighted to announce that today's interview with Mark Zal Sanders, founder and CEO of Filtered, is sponsored by Training Pros and Broadcasts Live from the Common Vines and Taste Wine Bar in Boston, where we also want to thank Jennifer Scott, the owner and general manager, for allowing us to have this wonderful event at her beautiful restaurant and function facility right in the heart of Boston. Hello, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. It is a very nice restaurant here. <laughs> well, Mark, can you share a little bit about Filtered? How are you serving folks? Yeah, of course. So Filtered is called Filtered because we are about putting in front of learners just the stuff that they need to, to see, that they need to learn. So we use um, uh, AI to strip out any material that's um, unlikely to be useful for them, just make recommendations which are relevant to, to them and their role. So um, that's us in a nutshell. It's the opposite of the, of the sheep dip approach to learning, where, whereby everyone goes through the same thing. So now uh, you're leveraging some artificial intelligence in your learning platform, is that right? Leveraging, yeah. I mean, we're creating it, we're building it first. And, um, and we're building it because we see a problem that we think that can be solved uh, or partly solved by AI. But AI doesn't solve all of it. Um, the problem that we see is, um, is potentially soluble or part soluble by um, AI is, um, is, is getting those recommendations to, to learners. So if we, we understand the learner well enough, um, we use a chatbot to, to get information about the, the learner and, and, um, and find out about them. If we understand the learning well enough, and that means looking at the um, the material um, in the, the learning, and we use adaptive algorithms to to interrogate that, then we can match the two up with some prioritization algorithms. I mean, really much like the Spotify um, algorithm, or the Netflix, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or Twitter, any of these guys, they are trying to match up with uh, individuals the content from. Um, from out there, you know, from all the different um, content sources that there are, the most relevant material, and we're doing that with corporate learning. So now when you're communicating that to your clients, are they embracing this, or are you right now at the stage where the most forward-thinking people are the ones that are dipping their toe into this world? Yeah, well, the clients are embracing it because they bought it, um, and, and with some of the other guys that we're, that we're, we're, that we're targeting, yeah, we are looking at the, um, the more sort of progressive um, individuals, but also those uh, organizations that um, that are in a position to be able to embrace newer or experiment with newer technologies, find newer solutions. And that isn't everyone just yet. We are at the, the start of this journey. Um, I mean, in learning, it's not like we've even sorted all our data out. Um, a lot of companies are still using technologies like um, like SCORM that are a couple of decades old. So it'll be a journey for um, uh, for a lot of us to get into to AI, whether you're doing with with um, with filtered or not. Um, and yeah, for now, you're, you're absolutely right. We're talking to the to the guys that are in a position to to look ahead a little bit more. Now, is your background uh, from learning and training, or is it more from AI? Neither, really. Um, <laughs> I, my, my my background is. Um, my background. My background. I started my career anyway in strategy consulting, 
Um, and in strategy, as you may know, um, there's a lot of um, spreadsheeting and analysis. Um, the insight that I had when I when I started my career was that the training involved to get me to the standard that could be useful for um, firms was um, was relatively limited. So if you could find a way to get to the most relevant learning and present that to a learner, you'd really um, significantly um, uplift productivity for for the for the company and um, and that sense of fulfillment for the individual. So um, so we came in it. I mean, I, I came in it, and then with the other co-founders um, from from that angle. What's the problem here? We weren't thinking in terms of terminology like learning or development or score or LMSs or anything like that. I mean, we we had to um we had to develop our knowledge in those areas. But it was yeah, we came at it in you know, a typical sort of entrepreneur um, route of there is a problem here. We think that we can do something about it. Um, let's make that happen. And then of course we got to know um. Uh, all these wonderful things like school and LMSs and um, and uh, the virtual learning um, environments and what have you. So now, can you share some best practices? Share some. Sorry, um, say that again. Share some. Can you share some best practices when a, if a company is going to um, kind of dabble in AI? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I mean, one thing. Okay, I'll share a couple of things. So, so one is one is to um, be sure that you're ready for an AI journey. Um, and that means um, partly um, the, the culture and um, you know, having enough of a groundswell of um, influencers at the company that adopting an AI solution is going to be attractive. Um, but another part of that is having the infrastructure to do it. And I'm not talking about just um, um, money, because actually to make an initial um, foray into um, AI, not necessarily expensively, particularly expensive, but what you do need to do is have the data in order to be able to feed the algorithms. If you don't have the data, then algorithms can't learn anything and they can't do anything that um, is going to be particularly special for you. So make sure that your your company is, um, is well-primed for this move, both from a people perspective and also from a from a data um, perspective, there's two things I would um, say. And actually, I mean, another one would be be really um, critical of those organisations that are trying to sell an AI solution. It will often be a bullet point in some marketing literature. Um, but first of all, be sure that um, the solution that they're bringing that they're solved, that they are the problem that they're solving with AI really is a problem that needs AI. Maybe manual job will do. Maybe an automation job will do. Maybe a, a semi-automated job will do instead. Also, find out whether the AI is owned by that company, and make sure that it's real AI. So, what I mean by that is, if it's AI and, and if it's machine learning, then the system will get better at a certain task and performing whatever that task is over time. And if, if that's actually going on, then, then you're perfectly within your rights to ask that vendor, well, how much better does it get over time? And can you quantify that? The, the best vendors will be able to do that. Now, when you, so say, when you say, can you quantify that, how, what are some metrics to quantify? Well, it depends what the, um, what the AI is being, um, you're using the AI for. So one of the, I mean, for example, one of the things that we use AI for is to tax learning assets. So this means looking at a given learning asset, looking at um, some of the data that we do have for it, like title and description, 
um, and assigning um, tags to that asset so that we can make recommendations um, to individuals. Now, that's a task. With data, AI should get better at that task over time. And you can prove that if you have some sort of measure of what good performance is. So that might be um, a a scorecard versus a human um, user. That might be how many times getting it um, correct according to some some definition. As long as you have that and then you have some sort of baseline, um, then with data, you should be, um, you know, you should be improving. It may be it's a bit small, but the improvement should be there over time. That's, um, that is the whole point of, um, of machine learning, improving at a task over, over time with data, also known as, known as experience. And that's exactly what human beings do. They, they get better at stuff over time because we are, um, you know, we've evolved to be adaptive. So neural, our natural neural networks and our, our basically our brain you know, adapt and improve um, how we respond to the, to the world, to the environment. And you want um, machine learning to do to do that for you. Now, what is a reasonable amount of time to implement an AI program platform? Um, okay, well, it depends again on, on what you're asking the AI to do. Um, it, it could be a project that might take a number of years, but if, it, if it's super complex and involves you know um, a lot of people, different countries, uh, different departments, and, and what have you. Um, but a lot of um, for a lot of companies that just want to make a start and maybe even learn themselves, get a bit closer to AI. Um, there's uh, there are AI solutions that come out of the box um, from you know from vendors that will do things that will do um, what you or some of the some of the um, carry out some of the bring some of the benefits that I described earlier. Um, and um, and don't forget that. Um, we're all using AI all the time anyway. I mean, every time you go onto YouTube or, or use Spotify or use Twitter, you're feeding um, a series of algorithms um, uh, data to make um, better recommendations, provide a better learning um, or better experience for you um, in the future. So, uh, sorry, to come back to your question and, and how long might it take, it might be as little as a few weeks if it's an out-of-the-box solution. Um, I mean, if, you know, how what we provide um uh, where there's minimal customization, that can be done in a few weeks. Now, let's, that quick. Let, let's talk about filtered specifically. What is kind of the pain point that your customer is having where they go, you know what, we should call those folks over at filtered? Okay. Well, it, it's, um, of course, it's a range of things. You hear about the problem differently. But essentially, it's that there is so much content that our clients, staff have access to. Um, and that comes from libraries that they've bought um, for their staff. It comes from materials that they've created themselves in um, their proprietary material. Um, it also comes from you know, the internet, the World Wide Web. So there's just so much material. There's a there's an absolutely monstrous content overwhelm, and that's getting um, worse as it were by the day. And at the same time, there are all these skill gaps. Um, it's not like we have a workforce that goes around, um, you know, optimally. Um, uh, skilled up for the challenges um, that lie ahead. So the training, the learning is there. So the problem that our companies um, uh, report and, um, and the ones that they feel the most and, and the prompting to, to get in touch with us is how to get better utilization and uh, ultimately better productivity and sense of fulfillment from their staff using um, using the training that they have um, invested in over, in, in most cases, over a number of years. 
it's content overwhelm um, would be how I would summarize it. Now, since you've been doing this, have you had some stories you can share of people that have um, tangibly benefited from your platform? Yeah, um, and we've, got, we've, had, we've been around um, almost uh, almost 10 years. And with the, with the new product, it's been, um, uh, we launched at the start of, start of last year. So we've had a consultancy that had 100% um, utilization of, um, of learning materials a professional services firm that saves thousands, literally thousands of hours and, and for, for guys like that that's um that's a huge cost saving hundreds of thousands of, of dollars or pounds but also because we've um, worked with consumers um directly since our inception we've seen a lot of um, nice stories about um uh, learners getting to learning that they wouldn't have otherwise saving themselves time and hearing about that directly um from them in terms of stats one that I particularly like is that if you're learning the right stuff and you're so, you're, so intelligent learning recommendations are coming to the individual and that is being consumed by that individual, we see um, improvements in proficiency of 5% per hour. Now, 5% per hour um, or of a skill that you use daily has a huge um, cumulative effect over the course of a career. And we're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars of value that the company will uh, feel, but then the, that the individual will benefit from um, as well. So we see that uh, um, we see big um, changes, improvements in in, um, in productivity and measurable effects of that that are run into into big numbers. So yeah, I mean, it's just been a it's a, it's been a nice um, and a lovely company to be involved in and seeing seeing all these. Um, these benefits for both individuals and companies. Now, when you're working um, with uh, some companies that have multi-generations in the companies, is this something that the millennial workforce is adopting quickly and the older people are kind of slower to adopt, or are you finding that um, everybody's embracing this? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't really see a a huge difference between millennials, um, to use that term, and, uh, and everyone else. Um, and the reason for that is that, um, well, for one thing, millennials aren't just in one block. Um, uh, well, first of all, they're not, they're not even a very well-defined group of um, a subpopulation anyway. But whoever they are, that age range uh, admits of degrees itself. So there's all sorts of variation within, um, within that block. And then outside of millennials as well, we've all, I mean, I'm 38. Um, I'm not a, not a millennial, but my own technological understanding has improved significantly over the, you know, through the last 20 years. So I think it's more that the workforce generally has, um, has, uh, has enjoyed, um, if that's the right term, but anyway, benefited from, um, responded to changes in technology over the last um, 10 years. And that's an incremental thing. Um, I don't think that the divide between millennials and the rest is helpful to us in forming our strategy. It's more thinking about well that the workforce is changing. Um, there's uh, technological um, changes mean that there are going to be more remote workers. Okay, so how do you how do you tackle that? Um, attention spans may be shorter. Uh, consumer grade software and services that people enjoy at home have an implication for how learning needs to be provided in the corporate environment. These are all changes that affect everyone. I think that's um, that's more important perspective than than a, a pure sort of age um, cutoff. Now, as technology advances and the speed of computing power increases, 
Uh, are you seeing other things outside of artificial intelligence? Like what are some of the things that are on your roadmap to really leverage all of that? Well, I mean, for us, it's, it's really, like I said at the start, it's not just about artificial intelligence. We're, we see AI as a, a means to an end. The end is to make useful, um, relevant recommendations. And to give um, an example of, of one other um, method that's really important with that, it's curation. So if you can, you could make the best recommendations with the most fabulous algorithm, but if that's only going to ever be drawn from a pool of content that isn't high quality or relevant for that workforce, the best the, the algorithm can do is not going to be very good. So that, that, that sort of curation at the start, which can be algorithmically uh, enabled or enhanced or uh, augmented, but we're still at a point with AI where humans need to be in the loop. So with curation, that final decision about whether an asset is going to be relevant to, to this population, that is a decision best made by a human being still. So so for us, um, yes, AI is going to be part of the, the future, but it's not going to be a, a pure AI future anytime in the next 50 years, um, I would say, and, and certainly not in the next 10. So yeah, there are other um, facets to our solution which are non non AI. They don't get asked about as much, um, <laughs> like on this on this um, in this interview, but they're just as important. Um, and in, in certain situations, they'd be more important than um, uh, than AI. If you're asking about other technologies that I think are going to be um, important and um, and influential, well, I think possibly more than more than uh, more even than AI is further well chosen automation. There will be more and more tasks that require or that can be automated. They don't necessarily need artificial intelligence. They don't necessarily need to get better and better at those tasks over over time. But picking which those are and um, and getting the benefits to be felt um, and enjoyed by human beings is uh, going to continue to be a really important um, uh, part of business. And and that I think is uh, that that's it. That's certain over the next um, over the next decade, and the other thing is immersive technologies, um, VR and and, um, and AI. They are um, actually the predictions for those um, those markets are just as um, bullish as they are for AI. Now, for you as a company, how difficult is it for you to have trained uh, people to work there? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is hard because if you're selling something sophisticated and um, that needs to be relayed. Um, internally and then externally, and in some cases, you, you're working with partners that, that need to tell the story themselves. And we need to have stuff that can relate to you know externally for them to further um, relay it. Um, it is hard, so that means that the hiring process, which is still hugely an entirely human process, is all the more important. And so it's hiring, it's um, it's training, and then it's just, it's that ongoing support, coaching, and learning. I mean, it comes back to learning for, for everyone that works at the, at the company, and me included. Um, I've developed most of my knowledge of AI, which is still nascent, um, uh, but I really, really enjoyed that over the last two and a half years. Um, it's my job as CEO of a Filter to bring others on that journey um, with me, and, uh, and I think we've got that culture. So if you have that at the company, um, you know, at any company, you're at this... Um, this Enthusiasm for self-directed um, learning and, um, and self-determined careers, then um, then a lot can come from that. And it's hard to predict, but you know it's going to be good. Well, Mark Zal Sanders, founder and CEO of Filtered, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. 
I won't keep you from the wine bar, but you have to uh, earn your keep a little bit. You're going to go do a talk here in just a little bit, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, another talk. Yeah. It's been a real delight for me as well. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely our pleasure. Okay, until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our good friends at Training Pros, our guest today, Mark Zal Sanders, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. Although we stop, 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 stop.